Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. Let's read it together, all right? Are you learning these verses as we go through? It's, it's, it's a blessing to do that. And hopefully when we get through with this, we can go back and most of it we'll have com- we will have committed to memory and it'll be a blessing to you. But today it says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Now we've just seen an example of our uh, society living in disharmony. Right? And, you know, Satan doesn't want us to teach about this subject uh, because it's so contrary to what he's trying to do in our lives, cause disharmony. And really, when we talk about having peace, we always are talking about some type of relationship. Because there's, you know, the, the peace movement of the 60s and all of the uh, things we hear about peace so often is abstract. And Jesus was talking about peace, though, in a very specific way. It had to do with relationships. So, Jesus says here that subjects of his kingdom will be blessed, will be happy, internally satisfied by God, if they are making peace, and then they will be identified as the sons of God. That's simply what he's stating. Now, if we're going to talk about being a peacemaker, I think we ought to spend a few moments talking about what the Bible says peace is all about. There's so much in the Bible about peace. I sent you a note about it earlier this week, but there, the, the peace is mentioned 400 times in Scripture. So it must be something important about peace. It, it, it really just dominates Scripture. And the Bible calls, uh, the Bible says that God is the God of peace, and yet the world that He has created, that we just saw a glimpse of a moment ago, is, is not a world of peace. Let me ask you, why is that? There, I, I can think of two specific reasons why. What do you think? Why is this world not dominated by God's peace? Because of sin. Pardon me? Sin, yeah. Because of sin, because of the disobedience of man. What's the other reason? Because the opposition of Satan. Because the opposition of Satan. And so we have the God of peace, and yet we've got His created world is not a place of peace. And we're going to come to it in just a moment when Jesus talked about it. But if you, as I thought about this week, I I felt you know we don't have political peace. (laughs) That's that's the understatement of today. We don't have political peace. We don't have economic peace. We don't have social peace. Uh, We don't have um, domestic peace. You know, I I read a a quote by John MacArthur. I think it's really good. He, He said, peace is defined today like this. Peace is merely that brief, glorious moment in history when everyone stops to reload. And that's sort of the attitude of the world about peace. Uh, after World War II, there was an agency, uh, or there was a, or that was established in 1945. 
Does anybody know what that organization was? No. <laughs> we'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> but all of you got the wrong answer correctly together, uh, incorrectly together. That's good. What else? United Nations. United Nations was created in 1945. Because, of, because after World War II, and they were so concerned about war, and the, and the, because that was the big, the war to end all wars and, and, and had taken place, World War I, World War II, horrible, horrible events. They create the United Nations, and here is their motto, to have succeeding generations free from the scourge of war. Not one day on earth has existed since then without war. Not one day. There's not been one day of total world peace. Let's define biblical peace, okay? It's not the... Ab here, and, and this is where sometimes we mistakenly think that what Jesus is talking about when he speaks about peace is that it's, peace is the absence of conflict. Now, raising three daughters, I would have told you, I would have been happy for that kind of peace, the absence of conflict. That would have been great peace, but it really wasn't peace. Okay? The, it's not just stopping the war. That's a truce. That's not peace. Let me give you a, a biblical definition, and we'll talk about this for a second. It is the presence of righteousness that causes right relationships. Peace in the Bible, we have three aspects. Peace with God, peace within ourselves, and peace with others. And so all of that, the foundation of all of that, that you read about in Scripture about peace, is this statement that I just made. It is the presence of righteousness that causes right relationships. Now, let me explain that. True righteousness brings peace. If a relationship, let's take any relationship, husband, wife, um, children, parent, if we talk about relationships, husband, wife, or um, um, children and parents, or neighbors, or disharmony in the church members, there's a reason that that disharmony exists. And every time, every time, it can be traced back to something is wrong. Spiritually, there is the existence of sin in that relationship. You say, well, I don't always agree with it. I'm not sure I agree with that. Okay, stay with us for a second. You, you do not have, there, you know, when you have all these relationships, the husband and wife, let's just take husband and wife relationship. And many relationships and husbands and wives, and I'm not saying in here, but I, I'm saying typically you have husband and wife relationship. They say, well, we have peace in our relationship because we avoid conflict. And yet that does not mean there's peace in that relationship. And when there is disagreement and there is the lack of peace, and sometimes it gets to war, that's because there's somebody's wrong. And there's someone that's saying, you know, I, I'm, if there is to be peace, then that whatever that is that's wrong has to be brought forward and dealt with in truth. 
Because if you look over and over and over again, I wish we had more time just to study this word. Every, you know, just so much of the scripture about peace always puts it together with truth. And that you can't have peace unless there's truth. If there, we're going to have peace, and you say we're going to have peace, we want to have peace in the Middle East. <laughs> I mean, I do too. And God said for us to do what? To pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And we should. And I tell you what's a lot easier once you go there and you see that. You want to pray for peace. But you know what? There will not be peace without righteousness. And so there has to be somewhere along the line, if you're going to have that kind of peace, you say like disharmony in a church. This is easier. I get away from husband and wife because then you're saying, oh man, he's talking about me, or yeah, what about this? Or, you know, if she just punched the husband, the husband just punched the wife, she said, yeah, if you just get that thing right in your life, we'd have peace. Uh, please don't do that here, all right? Y'all go work on that, okay? But the... Um, Peace in the Middle East. And, you know, we, we see, uh, what's his name, Kushner, Jared Kushner. Uh, his, his job is to go and to help broker peace in the Middle East. Yesterday we were driving back from Colorado. We are coming down the um, George Bush and driving along. And all of a sudden a car comes past us. I mean, boom, just like that. That's fast. Because I wasn't going slow. But they went right past, and I mean, the car was one of these, like he talked about this morning, one of those $400,000 Bugattis or whatever it was. And the license plate just said across the bottom, DL Maker, Deal Maker. And I think that's what most people have in mind when they think of, are we going to have peace? Can we get accomplished peace in the Middle East? We need someone to make a deal. And Jesus said, he didn't say, blessed are the deal makers. He said, blessed are the peacemakers. Big difference. Deal makers, there is compromise, isn't there? There's give and take. This doesn't create peace, it creates a deal. You want to create peace, somebody's got to admit there's some wrong here that we've got to deal with. Truth has to take over. So, I ask you this week, Matthew 10, 34. I ask you... Uh, Matthew 10, 34, Jesus said, what? I came not to bring peace, but the sword. That's, that's pretty straightforward, isn't it? Uh, don't think that I came to bring peace, but a sword. I ask you, what did you think about that? I did not get a lot of responses about what you think about that. Jeannie responded. What do you think about it, Jeannie? What do you, you, you want me to read your note, or do you remember what you said? <laughs> no, we're going to have peace in our hearts. We have peace with God. We're trying to be peacemakers with other God's love. And that when Jesus said that, he didn't bring, he didn't come to bring peace, but a sword is that I have a sister who refuses to believe. He came to bring um, the word to people who want to hear and we're to make peace with people who want to hear may need to hear, but it will divide. It's, that's right. It brings tension and hurt feelings and all of that. That's right. And I think that's, a, that's an ex excellent explanation of what Jesus was saying when he said, he, he says in Matthew 5, I want you to be peacemakers. And then he says, 
just a few days later, he says, I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. All right. He, he said, I think what he's saying, just to expound a little bit more on what Jeannie said and help us to understand it, I think he said, I, I didn't come to bring peace at any price. So I didn't come to make you feel cozy. That's, that's the world's definition of peace. Automatically think sword of the spirit and yep. the whole the Bible is our sword. And yes, there's always going to be conflict when you gather it around truth. Right. That's exactly right. That's right. And what does that sword do? It always divides. And it's truth. It's just as you said, it's truth. He said, I didn't come to bring peace. I, I, I really believe the whole context is that Jesus said, I didn't come to bring the peace that the world gives. He said, um, who's got John 14, 27? Read it for us, will you, Mike? It says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. All right. He said, I'm going to give you peace. I, I give you my peace, not as the world giveth. They, what, what all these people, these thousands of people were sitting there listening to Jesus teach. They said, we, we need peace. We need peace with Rome. Rome has taken over everything. We need peace. Jesus said, I didn't come to bring you that peace. That's not what you need. Um, so he did not come to bring the world's peace. Um, so did I give somebody Psalm 8510? Great verse. Listen to this verse of Scripture. Psalm 8510, if you don't have it, did I write it down on your sheet? If I didn't, write it down on your sheet somewhere. Love and faithful, faithfulness meet together. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. It's not a good. It's not a great way to say it. It's a poetic way to say it too, but it's a beautiful way to describe peace. Righteousness, um, love and faithfulness meet together. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. That's what peace happens. You have righteousness. Now we don't sacrifice. We don't compromise the righteousness, and that's the only way you have peace. And then they meet together. Jesus said, that's the kind of peace you get when you receive me. That's peace. Now, blessed are the peacemakers. Most of the lesson is that right there, all right? So I know you're saying you're just now getting to blessed are the peacemakers. So I'm, this is five minutes, okay? Blessed are the peacemakers. The, the word peacemaker is Areopagus. It's only used one other time in the New Testament. It's actually just the two words put together, peace and maker. Uh, who has Colossians 1.20? And through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross, through him I say whether things on earth or things in heaven. All right. So he made peace through the blood of his cross. He made peace with us and with God. He, was a, he is a peacemaker. Here is what I would say the definition then of putting the two together, a peacemaker, because Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, one who actively pursues peace in its fullness, pursues wholeness and well-being. What is the Hebrew, when they were sitting there talking to each other in the time of Jesus sitting on the hillside, and they may have been speaking Hebrew, and they would say peace, what is the word they would use? Shalom. shalom. They use it today. You go walk down the street and you hear them say, they say shalom. Um, it doesn't mean if I come up to Joe Tom and say, Joe Tom, shalom. 
I don't mean, I hope you don't have any war today. I hope, you do, I hope your war stops today. What does it mean? I wish you well. I wish you wholeness. I wish you uh, well-being. That's the, really the definition of peace in Scripture. All right? It's, it's a bigger picture than we just stop fighting. Look at, uh, well, let me just read it. 1 Corinthians 14.33. Who is the maker of peace? Let me ask you. Who's the maker of peace? God. God's the maker of peace. It says, for God, listen to this, for God is not a God of confusion, but of what? Peace. He's not the author of confusion. He's not the author of strife. He's the author of peace. So God is the maker of peace. If you look at it in our blessed triune Godhead, God is the source of peace. That's why he said, I want, you know, I wish there'd be peace in the Middle East. I wish there'd be peace between Israel and the Arab nations. There will not be any peace unless the source of peace has control. Someday there will be. But that's a different prophecy study that we'll do some other time. God is the source of peace. Jesus is, the man, is and was the manifestation of that peace. Here's what it looks like. And this is what he did. He, he manifested himself. He is the manifestation of God's peace. And so when he died on the cross, there's how he made peace between God and man. And now the Holy Spirit is the agent of peace. Because Galatians chapter 5 says that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and what? Peace. peace. See how wonderful it works together. It's amazing. So God's the maker of peace. Turn to 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 20. We're the messengers of peace. We are the messengers of peace. And what does that mean? He tells us. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So God reconciled us to himself through Jesus, through the death of Christ, right? Then he goes on, he said, but he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Then it says that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of what? Reconciliation. Peace. He's committed to us the ministry of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So he said... Here it is. You are peacemakers. What does that mean? One of the things that means is that we make people right with God. We bring, them, we bring them to God. We bring them together. We say, this is how you make peace with God. It's evangelism. And, you know, I go from um, um, wondering often, are we doing the right thing as a class? Are we studying the right way? Are we ministering the right way? Are we on the mission field doing, are we cleaning glasses? Are we, but you know what? God has given us the, our class to be peacemakers. We have the ministry of reconciliation. That's what telling other people about Jesus is all about. And if we don't do that as a part of our life group, I don't even know why we're here. We're, we're not here just to say, oh, I studied the Beatitudes and I know the Greek words and the Hebrew words and I know that's all good. But he's given us the ministry of reconciliation to tell others this is what 
This is how you have peace with God. And when you clean those glasses, it's so we can put them on somebody's face someday and say, look, you can see you want to have peace with God. This is how you have peace with God. So he said, be a peacemaker. It's also making peace with men, bringing other people together, men to men. Mankind, bringing peace between one another. Jesus said in Mark 9.50, be at peace with one another. And then the last thing, um, this just remember, this does not describe those who live in peace, but those who actually bring about peace. That's what Jesus was talking about. He said, when you do that, then it says you will be called the what? The children of God or sons of God. How many of you have sons of God in your Bible? Sons of God. How many of you have children of God? How many of you have something else? How many of you don't have a Bible? Okay. The word there uh, for sons is the word huios. It, it is a very specific word dealing with the rightful position of a son, a dignified position as being a son. That's the word used. There's another word that's used. It's called tekna, which is the word for affection and love as a son. And we use both words for our kids, right? But the word that my father sat down and, and gave me years and years ago and said, Charlie, you are my son, and you're about to go away to college. I have given you a name. That's the only thing that I can really give you. But that I want you to protect. I think it's an honor to be in our family. And I'm sitting there as a 17-year-old thinking, what in the world is he talking about? <laughs> but I, as I grew older, I realized that it was quite an honor to be recognized as his son. Quite an honor. I hope my kids can do that someday. But Jesus is saying the, the merits of being a peacemaker is that people will identify you as children of God, as sons of God, of being dignified position of being a child of God by making peace. There's something godlike in bringing people to peace because we share a characteristic of God when we do that. That's an awesome opportunity. This is one of my favorite verse, verses. This song, I love this psalm. Maybe because it's short. But I love this psalm. It's a great psalm, and it, it says exactly what I think the message Jesus was trying to give those, his disciples and the thousands that were listening. How good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. It's like precious oil poured on the head, running down the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down the collar of his robes, it is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. He said, it's good to have peace. It's good. It's pleasant to have peace. It's, uh, it's precious. It's refreshing. And it's a blessing. Blessed are the peacemakers. My challenge for me and my challenge to you is let's look to find places where we can make peace. This week, it's a real opportunity. Let's pray.
Father, we thank you for what you've taught us today. We need to learn forever, daily, this opportunity to bring peace, to bring people to Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.